we are we are going to to, to read from from John chapter 15 verses 9 to 17 it'll be in your screens both here and the stream also if you get our um our reflection guide the the passage is there um And this is the continuation of last week's passage, if you were here, if you watched. Um, if you watched, you, you, you kind of know, uh, this is Jesus' farewell discourse. This is Jesus saying goodbye to his disciples in the Gospel of John. Um, this is kind of it. This is, this is the end, if you will. Uh, for them. Jesus has gathered his disciples and in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, the la, the, those this, this three chapters, uh, it's kind of him saying goodbye and giving them some, some uh, you know what, I can, I can take my mask now that I think about it. Um, there, that's probably better. Um, and this is Jesus saying goodbye before he's, uh, he's you know, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified. Um, and, and, and it's interesting that these passages come after uh, Holy Week, um, and this passage has just come during the season of Eastertide uh, because, of course, we keep on asking ourselves this question of what does it mean to live our lives, to follow Jesus in this season in, in between, if you will, in this such strange times. What does it mean for us to live lives of resurrection, live lives that follow the, the way of Jesus in such strange times? And of course, Jesus last week, you know, talk about, be, talk about being divine and how we are to be connected to him. And if we are connected, that's where our, we get our life. And that's the only way in which we can carry fruit. And then he will extend those ideas today. So I invite you to read with me. This is John chapter 15, verses 9 down to 17. And again, it will be in your screens. As the Father has loved me, this is John chapter 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commands, and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if I do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. If you did not Oh, sorry, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. There is there's a number of ideas that, that carry through this passage that are fascinating and they're, and they're so incredibly deep that, honestly, we could talk about this for a long, long time, but I'm going to try to take about 20 minutes, <laughs> so we'll see what it does. There's three ideas, there's three things, I guess, that Jesus is, 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 is saying here, 
or these three main ideas that are carrying this passage, if you will. And those are kind of going to be the, the three things that I want to talk about. First is the command. Jesus said, if you love me, then do as I command you. What is that command? To love. Right? This is my command, that you love one another. So, so the first thing that Jesus kind of tells his disciples, as he's saying goodbye, as he's kind of saying farewell to them, he's saying, I have one command for you. I have one instruction. I have one thing. This is Jesus' will, if you will. This is Jesus' last, uh, last, last, uh, last thing he's asking for his disciples. And he says, love each other. But then with that command, as with everything in the Bible, there will be a promise. Always in the Bible, there's a command and a promise that go together. If you do this command, then this is the promise that I give you. So the command is to love each other. And the promise is that you will experience joy. And then here's the interesting thing in this passage. So there's a command and there's a promise. And then there's a way in which fulfilling this command brings us to this promise. So the command is love. The promise is joy. What is the way to connect these two? What is what Jesus is telling his disciples that through the, that, that's going to connect the, the command of love with the promise of joy? What's the practice, if you will? What is the way? What is the instruction? Brace for this, because this is interesting. It's friendship. Jesus gave give, give everything to his friends. His knowledge of God and his own life. Jesus is our model for friendship because he loved us without limits. And he makes it possible for us to live a life of friendship because, he has been, because we sorry, have been transformed by everything he shared with us. See, friendship, friendship is interesting. Having friends is interesting. Sadly, friendship is usually not a word that we use when we talk about God things. So when we, talk, when we come to church and we talk about God things, about how to follow God, about how to be good Christians, friendship usually doesn't come around. You know, we think of, of, in terms of, of obedience, we think, think of terms of, of sin, of salvation, of redemption, whatever you want to say. But it's interesting that the Gospel of John, Jesus reminds us, invites us to think about friendship differently. Man, I'm, I'm dropping everything, I'm sorry. For Jesus, friendship is the ultimate relationship with God and one another. Think about the word friend. Who comes to mind? What comes to mind? See, the problem is that we have reduced friendship. We have reduced the idea of being friends to To what we see on TV. You know, we, we go for coffee, we, we play sports, we maybe game together, and that's about it. And we're friends, right? We, we kind of have a relationship. We, we, we get along okay, and we call friends. For, for Jesus, and in Jesus' time, friendship is much more than that. Friendship 
is a lot deeper than that. See, the way this passage translates the word love, there's, there's, in, 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 the, in the original language, there's, there's a few words that you can use to say, to say the word love. And in this passage, that word is the word uh, phileo, which, and I don't want to get too much too in the weeds here, I just think this, this is interesting. So the word phileo in Greek means love. Now the word philos means friend. Notice how those th two things are connected. So phileo, it's love. And philos is friend. See, whenever we read that word friend in the New Testament, whenever Jesus invites us to be friends, he's not talking about just, just up here kind of surface level relationships. He's talking about something much, much deeper. The, so the one, the one base for friendship in Jesus' world, sorry, in Jesus' world, the basis for friendship is the ability to speak frankly and plainly. It's the ability to be honest. Now, remember what, a little bit ago I asked you, when you think about friendship, when you think about friends, what, who comes to mind what kind of relationships comes to mind? Now, let me ask you again. Are those people, those images, those names that came to your mind when I asked you to think about your friends, how many of them can you actually speak honestly, frankly, and plainly with? I'm inclined to, to believe that the list becomes a little bit shorter. Maybe a lot shorter. See, Jesus called the disciples friends because of two things. These are the two levels, if you will, not levels, this is the two evidence of friendship, if you will. One is to give one life for the life of others. There's no greater love than this, Jesus will say, than to give your life for one's friends. And then Jesus, and then the second one is to have the ability to speak honestly, frankly, and plainly with your friends. Notice how Jesus says, "I do not call you friend. I do not call you. Uh, I call you friends now, because everything that the Father has has made me known, I have made known to you." Jesus has been completely honest and open to them. Jesus enacts friendship throughout the gospel. But these verses that we've, re that we've read describe, describe the, a name who and what Jesus is a friend of. In John, Jesus is both the model and the source of friendship. As the model of friendship, he calls his disciples to love as he has loved. Again, this is Jesus' farewell discourse. He's just about to go and lay down his life his friends. And as the source of friendship, he makes possible their own friendship through what he has given us. 
See, Jesus is inviting his disciples to a bit of a deeper relationship. He's inviting his disciples to be, to be friends, to put their lives for each other. Now, it's interesting when you think about that in, in the terms of community, because, because that, that creates a problem. Because when we come in community, just as the disciples were called, then notice the disciples were called for all different walks of life and all different personalities and all different uh, uh, socioeconomical status, statuses. And Jesus calls them to, to, to form this group. And Jesus invites them to something more. He's, you're not just my followers. You're to be friends with one another. I, I love the way that the gospels paint uh, in, in, in the Last Supper. When Judas is about to go and betray Jesus, I love that Jesus doesn't call him out. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He, he knows it. And he talks to Judas and he says, friend, friend, go and do what you have to do. Jesus knows that Judas is about to betray him, just still calls him friend. doesn't make sense, does it? And I think that's a reminder that as we, oh, I keep on kicking this thing, that's a reminder that as we keep on coming in community, we are not perfect, and we're going to fail, and we're going to follow each other, and we're not going to get along, and we're going to have personality clashes, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be frustrating, but the, the, the call that Jesus gave us is higher than all those things, to love each other. To love each other, to put each other's life for the other. And then, of course, the promise is that of joy. Now, joy is an interesting word as well in the Gospel of John. Because, because joy doesn't mean happiness. They're, 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 they're connected, they're close, but they're not the same. Joy and happiness are not the same. Kristen, Kristen? Okay. Uh, joy and happiness are not the same. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a state. You can be joyful without necessarily experiencing happiness every single moment of your life. You know what's the idea here? Jesus himself talks about this in the Gospel of John. He talks about all creation, patiently waiting, like a, like a woman about to give birth, to the king, for the kingdom to come, that kingdom of joy. Notice the image here. It's about a woman about to give birth. Now, I am no expert in this, but when I think about a woman about to give birth, there are a few images that come to my mind, and they're not necessarily happiness. It's, it's funny that we're talking about this now that it's this Mother's Day, because those of you that are, that are mothers, and this is something that we'll never be able to understand as a man, know what giving birth means. Know what being pregnant means. All the pain and discomfort and the changes in your body. And as the time gets closer, the pain 
and the agony. But again, something that never be able to understand. This is what Jesus is talking about this, about here. The joy that we are to experience, that Jesus is promising that we experience, is that of the joy of a mother that just gave birth. That when it's, hand, it's, it's handed the new baby, the newborn baby, everything is, forgiven, is forgotten. Sorry, All the pain, all the discomfort, everything, because you have new life with you. And that's the joy that Jesus is, is, is talking about. That joy that makes every, all the anguish and pain and sorrow worth it. See, and, and as we come to communion, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples. Now I'm living, I'm, you're not going to have, have, have me with you. I give you one command, to love each other. And if you love each other, you will experience joy. Now, that doesn't mean that that joy is going to come easy. That doesn't mean that, that, that there's not going to be, to be you know, misunderstandings and fights. It doesn't mean that the path is, is easy. But it's so, so, so worth it. Like, I'm, uh, like, like I am sure those of you that are mothers here can testify that when you were handed, you look at your, at your children, you can tell that that pain of labor, pain of labor was worth it. And the path for those two things is to bear one another. It's friendship. It's deep friendship. It's, it's, beyond, it's beyond simply getting along. It's beyond simply not wishing ill to others. It's about going deeper and, op and open, openly and frankly and plainly. It's about put it, putting our lives for others. Now, being, being realistic, let's be realistic here for a second. Jesus is about to show this, right? He's about to go and put his life for us so that we can become his friends. Jesus tells us, tells his disciples that he has already shown them everything that he can show them. He has spoken plainly and openly of everything that the Father has told him. He has showed them. How, how do we know this? Because of Jesus' life. Jesus is the embodiment of a life of love and friendship. That's our example, plain and simply. He's about to go and lay down his life for love of us. Now, realistically, in our life, in our world, we're not going to be asked to, be put, put, to put our lives for others. Like, realistically, in 2021, here in, in Stettler, in Canada, we're not going to have to, you know, put our lives the same, like, the same way that disciples will be asked to put it. As Peter was, you know, was, was, was killed many years later. As Paul was beheaded many years later. We're probably not going to be asked to do that because our life and our circumstances is different. So what can that mean for us in our life? See, there's another way to understand life in this, in this passage. And it's not only biological life, but the way in which we live. I wonder. I wonder if the call, if our call to lay down our life for our friends, beyond putting our biological lives in the lines, means 
the way in which we live. I wonder if Jesus' invitation means that we are to adjust and change the way in which we live so that others can become our friends. I wonder if maybe that means to become a little bit less comfortable than what we are so that others can experience friendship with Jesus. I wonder if we as a church will be willing to change the way in which we do things so that other people will feel more comfortable among us. I wonder if, we are, if, if, if Jesus is inviting us to rethink of the ways in which we have become accustomed to you know, run our services in our church and, and all that so that others can be comfortable even when we might not be as comfortable as before. I wonder if Jesus invites us to evaluate our life and see the ways in which we are so comfortable that we have closed our ability to reach others. So in this passage, in the passage before, Jesus invites us to remain connected to him, the vine, the source of life, so that we can bear fruit. And that fruit is one, and simply put, is love. And as we are connected to that vine, to this very source of love and life, then Jesus invites us Keep my command. Jesus, what is my command? My command is this, to love each other as I have loved you. Because there's no greater love than this, to lay down your life for your friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. What did Jesus command? To love. And I have called you friends because I have told you everything that I've learned from my Father. This is my command, Jesus, close. That you love each other. And I have told you this so that you may have my joy. And ultimately, I'm becoming more and more convinced that that is the path that Jesus has charted for us. You know, it's, it, sounds, it sounds simply, it sounds simple, sorry, because really it doesn't seem so deep or so complicated that sometimes we make it look or we make it sound. But Jesus calls us, his command is one and one only, to love each other. And what, is, what does that love mean, Jesus? Well, it means two things, that you're willing to, to lay down your life, to change your life so that others can find life, and that you go deep in those relationships to the point in which you can open, uh, uh, you can speak and talk openly and frankly and frankly and honestly to each other, to be friends. And that's a difficult process, but it's worth it. It's so worth it because then and only then are we, are we to experience the joy of Christ.
And that's, that's Jesus' invitation. One command, love. One promise, joy. One practice, friendship. And with those things in mind, I invite you to come to the table today.